Welcome to the Dietitian Collaborative Podcast. I'm Celestina, a chef, dietitian, and total foodie. Each week, I chat with another awesome RD so we can learn a bit more about how diverse our profession really is and how much we can benefit from collaborating with fellow RDs. It's 2022. What a freaking cool time to be in this world. I know that we've had some crazy shit happen over the past couple of years, but seriously, think of how many amazing technological advancements we have. I always say that I'm happy to be a male spouse in 2022 because I can bring my business with me anywhere we move. I can always be employed and I can always do something that I'm passionate about. Seriously though, if I was in the same spot a decade ago, the international connection of dietitians that I've curated over this past year would not be possible. Well, maybe it would have been, but it wouldn't have been as impactful and it would have been so much harder. Go back 20 years ago and it totally would have been impossible. So let me say it again. It's 2022. We have the ability to connect with people globally through so many social sources. And I love being able to use social platforms like Instagram, this podcast, and virtual meeting rooms like Google Meet to connect with fellow dietitians on an international level. How crazy is that? International. I would probably had never met these amazing dietitians in real life had it not been for social media and the power of the connection that can come from it. So all of this to say, today's guest, Kara Holton, is a fellow dietitian and mill spouse who also gets how frustrating it can be to move every two years and having to apply to new clinical positions at every new base. And just a few years ago, she started her own business, helping busy families with little ones learn how to component prep. Now she's the go-to component meal prep dietitian, helping families use their freezer to save time, money, and stress without having to eat soup or casserole every night. Damn. I know I love component prep and I know that this can be a game changer for other busy families and this could even be a really cool collab if you want to bring this into your world as well. So without further ado, let's chat with Kara. Kara, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm doing fine. Apparently not as much caffeinated as you are. I'm not caffeinated. I'm white clawed. Oh, good. Okay. We only get these very occasionally here in Germany. So when you do, you buy several packages and you embrace your inner white girl on the beach, you know? <laughs> well, all right. I'm definitely not white clawed right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's start with the three most important questions ever. Are you ready? Oh, I'm a little nervous, but okay. Excellent. What is your... <laughs> Rocket science. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Number one, what is your bucket list travel destination? Oh man. Um, okay. Well, I've already been there, but this is like a whole new situation now. So had a baby last year and he's 15 months. Can't believe it. But we have not gone to Disney with him. And my husband and I love going to Disney. Um, it's just magical. It's fun. It's whimsical, you know, like just, I don't know. It's just nice. Right. But we've only ever gone as adults by ourselves. Oh yeah, for sure. So I know there's tons of challenges, but it's, uh, I just can't wait to take him. So that's going to be my bucket list travel item, even though it's a repeat in a sense. That's fair. I've heard though, that it is the most magical place on earth. Some would say. Yeah. So I feel like you did describe it well. Good. Good. (laughs) I'll I'll work on their ad campaign next time. (laughs) All right. Number two, what is your favorite food of all time? Oh my gosh. Cheese. It's in the title of of my life. Like, I mean, not just my website and, and my Instagram handle and my Facebook group. And no, it's literally my favorite food. What cheese in particular, since there are literally hundreds, I'm going to say thousands, probably like thousands. Well, including different varieties. Yeah. 
Uh, I know it's going to sound, here's your white girlness. <laughs> I love a really good sharp cheddar. Not so Ooh. sharp that it's like sulfurous. Yeah. Because I've had that. Not a fan. <laughs> but like a really good sharp cheddar. And I guess just because it reminds me of growing up and yeah. like my dad really liked sharp cheddar and I don't know. You can always find it. Yeah. <laughs> Even here. <laughs> yeah. See, so it's like a real thing. But if I'm going to go like outside the the very, very typical, um, I, I like a lot of goat cheeses and feta. Mm. They're just really strong. And you can, if you don't have a lot of money, you can get away with finding something where you're using it and it highlights the flavors, but it's not, you know, six ounces worth that you need. Totally. All right. I dig that answer. I really like, I think it's Vermont Creamery. That might be wrong, but there's, I think it's theirs or Vermont Sharp Cheddar. Vermont Creamery sounds right. Their cheddar is banging. (laughs) I feel like Vermont in general has it with like the maple syrup and they've got cheddar and they have, um, what was that? And Ben and Jerry's? Ben and Jerry's. That must be it. <laughs> Actually, uh, I'm going to be honest. We have a favorite local place. It's not local to us right now because we've been restationed, but uh, it's TJ's Chillin' Treats in Mariester, Florida or Fort Walton Beach. I don't know what their mailing code is. I just can <laughs> tell you how to get there. But we love it so much that a few weeks ago, my husband was coming back from training and drove two hours out of his way to pick up a whole cooler, like $100 worth oh of ice cream. That's to go get it. They even open, not opened, but they were there on an off day. Like the shop was closed, but it was the day he was driving home. So they actually met him so that he could pick up this ice cream. <laughs> that is really intense. Yeah. So no offense sure to Ben it. and Jerry's, but it's just got nothing on them. Girl, I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> okay. And then last question, coffee or cocktails? Oh, coffee, 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 coffee. Could that be because you have a 15 month old? Possibly. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's uh, here we go with my memories again. It just reminds me of hanging out with my mom. Yeah. And so, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the, I used to call it motivation juice. I love the the energy burst, but yeah, I just, I don't know. It's something like comforting. It reminds me of my mom. A good, like, I love dark roast. So maybe because dark roast a lot of time will go really well with chocolate and coffee or sorry, chocolate and cheese. Yeah. I yeah. can see that. Also, dark roasts go really well with coffee. <laughs> Maybe I had too much. See, I'm more caffeinated than I thought. <laughs> needs I white claw. You're right. Right. For the one time a year I get it, you're right. Who needs white claw? <laughs> okay. So now that we know everything about you, let's dive a little bit into your story and like the beginnings of your RD world. Okay. Uh, starts... Many moons ago. Uh, <laughs> I'll put in some little tinkle music there. Perfect. I love it. Uh, so, yeah, it actually did start a long time ago. Uh, I loved growing up with my grandma who would cook, I mean, everything. I will say almost everything from scratch. Found out her pudding is not always from scratch, but oh, damn. whatever. <laughs> Except it's funny. My homemade pudding recipe is hers, but part of the time she would use the box as a kid, but whatever. <laughs> I got to stir it, so it's fine. So I loved <laughs> cooking, but I'm going to be honest. I did not want to be a chef because yeah. I'm not a night person. So unless I was going to be in like a bakery or something, yeah, not my not my thing. But 
I wanted to help people and I wanted other people to enjoy cooking and enjoy food, but also help their bodies. So that's where I got interested. And so I actually went to, uh, I guess, like a health professions open house thing. And I thought I wanted to be a PA. So I was talking to the the person that was in charge of the PA school. And we were talking, talking, talking. And he's like, you know what? I don't think you want to be a PA. <laughs> I think you want to be a dietitian. And I'm over here like, but I like money and I like PA money. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so, so he's like, well, here's the deal. Why don't you do your major in dietetics? Because the classes will transfer over to our PA program. So just do that. And when the time comes for you to decide, you either go the dietitian route or you go the PA route. I'm like, okay, but really the money. (laughs) (laughs) So then I'm a very stubborn person. So when I was in class in college and like every professor is like, basically you're never going to be an RD because there's only X number of internships. Match rates are terrible. Um, Basically just give up, but like keep paying us and stay in our classes. (laughs) See money, right? I got pissed off. Like, what do you mean? I'm not going to be a dietitian. Like now I'm going to be a dietitian just to prove you wrong. Get it. So I did. I got an internship first round was one of the only ones who did. Well, I should say I was one of the only ones who got an internship out of state. Okay. Uh, Not many in my class did get matched either uh, just in general, but um, I guess I don't know the numbers. We'll say like a third, but yeah. So I'm like, Hey, y'all pay attention because your teaching sucks because you're, you're just like instilling this complete sense of self-doubt, which now as a dietitian, I see across the whole field, which is infuriating. Yeah. And so it's like, why are you doing this cycle? Like you're just making it harder on the whole profession. Okay. I'm going to get off my soapbox now, but you can I became a dietitian <laughs> because, because I was stubborn. <laughs> I love that. So that was, that was your whole reasoning. You became an oh, yeah. because you were stubborn. stubborn. I think it. That's it. I could have just ended it there. Like, I, you know, could have avoided getting mad. Okay. So you got your first, you got your first round at the internship. Fan-fucking-tastic. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then what was your first gig after the internship? Well, clinical, of course, because they're like, if you don't get a clinical job, you never get to go anywhere in the field in that tone of voice snooty. I know everything. Clinical is the world. I mean, it was fine. I had a good time. I made friends. Like it was a great transition into like adult life because it was a study paying job and whatever, but like it's monotonous. And how many people in Southern Georgia after having a heart attack want to hear about their low fat diet? Literally none. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. You're right. Zero. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like the money you feel like you make as a dietitian about the same. So it's, it's really, really, really disheartening to see the same people come in time and time again, because it was a small town. Yeah. Um, Not super tiny, but like, you know, just, I mean, it wasn't like Atlanta. Um, So it's the same people over and over. Every time they're admitted, you get the same consult for heart healthy diet, diabetes diet, cardiac diet, and the 95 year old woman who's obviously on hospice. Like, Wow. You just explained the entire struggle of our field. <laughs> uh, I've got two of like the seven, but yeah. So we'll, we'll touch on all. Of them. <laughs> I love this. Okay. So, I mean, I think typically 
like this is the mindset of like most old school RDs. And I, I really feel like it's changing, but like you kind of got pigeonholed into like, you must get into an internship. You must do clinical. Mm-hmm. At what point did that not feel good anymore? Um, uh, I guess I don't really know. Like I knew I didn't want to continue an inpatient. So when I moved to Georgia, I moved for a job. I knew nobody in Georgia. Uh, I went down for my interview and my extremely close knit family was like, are you kidding? You just moved back from West Virginia and now you want to go to Georgia. Like what's wrong with us? Why do you hate us? Like all this guilt trip. Right. So I got this job and I moved, made friends. I mean, it was perfectly fine. It was a great experience, but I knew that clinical just wasn't great. Then I moved to Florida after I got married because my husband's in the Air Force. And Hold up. So you moved twice pre-Air Force life. Let's just get that clear. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but but nobody else in my family had ever really moved. Like my dad um, married my mom. They moved a, 90 minutes away from home. Ooh. Uh, yeah, right? That Ooh. was like massive. <laughs> they lasted a few years and then they moved back. Um, so... Me moving was huge. Insanity, Um, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's one word for it. (laughs) There's a lot of guilt. I ended up developing some anxiety because of the guilt. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just saying like I felt terrible because of leaving everybody. And then the like, when are you coming home? Blah, blah, blah. Like all the time. They're very supportive, but also like they missed me and it just came across as making me feel guilty, but yeah, not blaming for any family members listening at all. <laughs> Love y'all. But it was very hard on them. It was very hard on me, but I've stayed away actually. <laughs> Air Force wife life. <laughs> Probably because I'm stubborn. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Air Force. Yeah. But also we don't like the cold and snow. So I feel that. Yeah. Florida life is a lot more. Uh, okay. It's humid and sticky and hot, but it doesn't snow. But you've been there for like four years now. So it's like maybe more. Yeah. My husband's actually been in Florida. Let me think about this. Since 2014, I oh think. Oh, God. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are a bunch of bases to hop around to. So I guess yeah. that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, we've only been at two. This is our second. Yeah. Oh, wow. Intel field is is definitely one where uh, I don't want to say you don't move around a lot because some do. But he was just his work was very appreciated where he was. And also it was like, we're not really pushing to move unless it was to this one specific base. And so when that finally opened up, it was uh, six days after my son was born (laughs) that we got orders. And so thankfully we were just moving from one Florida base to another. So I didn't have to change licensure. It wasn't anything like that. Thank goodness. (laughs) give you guys some insight like that is rare in the air force world like in the past five years i've lived in three different states and two different countries so yeah if that gives you any insight as to how crazy it is (laughs) yeah i think it really depends on your job i mean the intel field is is very important in my eyes but they're hard to move around because a lot of them are specialists in different things totally and so there's very few bases that offer those specific specialties. Um, so unless it just happens to be that it's time for you to move, when it's time for somebody else to move from a different base, and like your your rank lines up and the time frame lines up and the job lines up, and let's just say this is like a moving target that almost never stops. Preach. I feel that. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Let's rein this back in. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> okay. So you went from Florida or rather Georgia to Florida. Were mm-hmm. you still in the clinical space after that move? Because I mean, already you had moved to work for clinical that you knew you weren't super passionate about. Did you do that again? Well, I was really passionate about just finding a job. Fair. <laughs> totally fair. Um, I know you and I actually lived in a similar area at one point. So you understood that the job market there, not great it was for dietitians. Um, so I was just applying anywhere. Yeah. And I finally got a job working in community health, which way more my my path, like so much more fun. People are engaged. People want to learn things. People ask questions. It's like breath of fresh air. And (laughs) add to that, I had the best team of people ever. Like they were amazing to work with. I miss them. I still talk to a lot of them, even though we've been gone over a year now. And it was just perfect for me. And while working there, I knew we would move, as you surely know, if you're a <laughs> first spouse. And it was like, okay, what can I do that would allow me to keep my job so I don't have to job hunt when we go somewhere else? Or if I do job hunt, it's really just maybe for a part-time thing to do to get out of the house and meet yeah. people. So I'm like, oh, all right. I'm going to do my own business. Yes. So I thought that that meant I was going to be a blogger, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But if you can't tell, I sort of like talking. <laughs> it's really hard to talk in a blog. <laughs> like you don't go to a blog to hear a person tell you about the recipe verbally. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, I did that for a while, but it just, it didn't feel quite right. Your so. voice literally wasn't being heard. Yeah. I mean, it was just, okay. And yeah, a hundred percent. I'm not even going to need to build that a hundred percent. When did this blog idea come about and when did that shift into cheesy nutrition? Like the way it is now. It actually happened at work. And I don't mean that like in an, I was bored sort of way. It was just like, I need something that I can do no matter where we live. And I want it to be something that is me that I'm not like working for somebody else. And I want it to be fun. And so actually I was the, a different name first, uh, mm-hmm. which had to change for certain purposes. Thank you, CDR. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I say thank you sarcastically. I, I got that. I got that. <laughs> I wanted to make sure everybody understands that. Okay. So anyways, had to change my business name, but I was thinking of it at work and I'm like, okay, what, what just says me without being like Kara Hilton nutrition? Yeah. Again, nothing wrong with that, but I'm like, I'm way more fun than that. <laughs> yeah, you are. So yeah, cheesy nutrition came about. I'm, I almost said stupid. I'm silly. I'm lighthearted, but like, I want to help you. Yeah. You know, I want to help you succeed in that whole nutrition aspect of your life. And I'm very much about enjoying your food and making sure that you're picking things that nourish not just your body, but your soul and your family and their taste preferences. And I'm just all about that. So I feel like cheesy nutrition fits in that because it's playful, but helpful, you know, whole picture. I feel like it really encapsulates who you are. So what has it kind of transferred or become in the last couple of years from I guess the thought process of it, like budding as a blog into where it is now and who you help now. 
Yeah. So it's transformed a lot. Actually, I started with like, I'm going to do recipes. I'm going to do local restaurant reviews because we're going to be at different stations. It'll be so cool. And I mean, that's fun. It was fine, but like, didn't felt like, feel like I was really helping people. So I started thinking about like, what do I do that I'm good at that I could share with others? And that's meal planning and meal prep. And so just like with anything nutrition related, it's so individualized. And I feel like anytime I looked at anything online that was meal planning or meal prep related, it was like, here is your meal planning 101 guide. This works for every single person in the world. Congratulations. It's free. Yeah, it doesn't. How how could that work? (laughs) Like we all have different taste buds. We all have different budgets. We all have different time commitments. So like, how does that? work. It doesn't. So I started preaching about this and it's really connected with a lot of families, which now that's who I am as well in terms of having a child. Yeah. Um, So it's really resonated with a lot of families, uh, busy parents. And I really, really, really love working with expecting moms. And one of my like subspecialties is food prep, but with this kind of new twist on things that I do call component prep, which I know some people think of in different ways, but I'm focusing on making components for your freezer. So it really works for expecting moms because you got to have food in the freezer. And when I was pregnant, I knew I wasn't looking for like a bunch of dump dinners or big casseroles. Just the name of dump dinners. (laughs) Blah. (laughs) Blah. But that's what they, that's what you I know. Find. I know. Like you Google postpartum Ugh. meal prep. And if you're not looking at my blog, it's like everybody just tells you to make a whole bunch of breakfast burritos and th- like throw 16 pounds of chicken into 45 different Ziploc bags and put different dressings in each one. It's like, why do you think this is going to be good? You know? And sure, every once in a while, maybe it is good. Like a salsa chicken perfectly fine, easy, quick dinner. Do I want the same mushy texture for weeks? Nope. No. Nope. (laughs) And no. And especially when you're healing from childbirth and you're tired, like you don't want to sit there with another bowl of mushy lasagna. That checks. Yep. I feel that. I was already miserable. Like I didn't want that. I knew I wouldn't want that. Like I don't do well in little sleep. So like those first first few months were rough. So I help moms find ways that they can make components of meals that they like ahead of time. So yes, you do still probably need a few fresh things here and there, but like, that's what grocery orders are for. <laughs> like pay the the $7 to get it delivered. If it's that big of a time issue, or you're worried that you can't, you know, get to the store because you're tired. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like you have all the solutions and I love that you're targeting like the early mama slash pre mama stage because so like when I was personal chefing, a lot of times people would ask me to cook meals for someone that they knew. So like rather than getting them a ton of onesies that the kid is probably going to grow out of in like two weeks anyway, they were like, just meal prep for these people. I'm like, you're right. This is genius. And like, (laughs) I love, I mean, not everyone could afford a personal chef. And like, I totally get that. So like, I love that you're able to teach this to expecting moms because it's so, oh my God, like nourishing after that. I think we forget, right? Like nourishing during pregnancy, growing baby, very big deal, but nourishing mom while also breastfeeding. Holy crap. That is a totally different ball game. 
Yeah. Not to mention all the healing going on. Like, even if you don't have a C-section, there is a lot of healing going on down there. Things used to be a lot smaller that they're trying to get back to that size. I totally get that. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So are there like, I mean, I know that there's no one size fits all, but like, are there any like meals that you love sharing with clients? Just maybe like the names of them to entice them, to entice them via ASMR headphone, you know, the things. I'll turn on my uh, sexy radio voice. Excellent. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. <laughs> yeah, that's this button over here. So <laughs> it's kind of dusty right now. So we... <laughs> no, I actually just made one today. It's a super, super popular one at my house. It's one of my favorite blog recipes. By favorite, I mean most popular, like other people's favorites. Yeah. It's saucy Mexican chicken. Ooh. Oh, wait, hold on. Saucy Mexican chicken. I can't even get it out. This is why my button's so dusty over here. It's like Phoebe and friends trying to put on her like smelly cat sexy voice. (laughs) Well, no, she has that episode where where she and Monica are like going back and forth, like trying to seduce Chandler. (laughs) There we go. I'm Phoebe in that episode. (laughs) Okay. Saucy Mexican chicken. There, I said it without laughing. Um, I'm never going to think of this dish again the same way. It will always be Phoebe. (laughs) Visually describe it for us, won't you? I will. (laughs) So it's a really, really easy dish and one that if you're using my component prep methods, you actually can make the sauce on the stove. Um, with the chicken that's already cooked. So you basically just have to make, this is what I did this morning, made the sauce by itself. And then I just added the already cooked chicken right at the end. Like it was already starting to cool off a little bit. So you don't want that chicken to like cook again. Yeah. Then it will turn out tough. Um, so you wait till it's kind of cooling down and then you just mix it in. Um, but basically it's kind of like salsa chicken, Uh, But then you add in pepper jack cheese and some extra spices and some, don't forget the cream cheese to make it really, really smooth and delicious. Like it's kind of, oh, what is the word I'm looking for? Fantastic. It's perfect is what it is. It's perfect. Um, (laughs) When we make it, we usually put it on brown rice, but honestly, it's really great for parties Yeah, because it's kind of like one of those nacho dips that you can just like put a big pile on your plate and like get some tortillas and like dip into it yeah and it's like stringy and creamy and it's got veggies in it which is always a perk for that extra fiber <laughs> yeah I'm even thinking like hungover breakfast chilaquiles kind of thing oh my gosh I have extra I might need to try that tomorrow <laughs> So you need white claws first and then you need chilaquiles. <laughs> I think those would give me a stomach ache. Like I honestly, I'm not good with like sugary drinks. If I'm going to have a cocktail, it's got to be like very minimal stuff. I love tequila. So like we could just go with like a really good tequila and maybe like a lime wedge. There you go. Yeah, That'll give you a hangover. It's perfect for chilaquiles. It's perfect. <laughs> but I love the simplicity of that meal, but you're right. Like having mushy everything sucks. That Mm -hmm. sounds amazing because even if you didn't, I mean, I know you love cheese, but even if you didn't want the cheese, like, I feel like that could be something so simple that just reheats really quickly, really easily. And I love that you also mentioned reheating on the stove rather than just going to the microwave. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you recommend on the stove or in the oven for reheating versus the microwave? Have you, have you played around with it? Pizza, (laughs) pizza, pizza, 
Oh my gosh, it drives me nuts. Cold pizza, great. Love it. Microwave pizza, like there are other things you don't want to go like that, right? You don't want it to go like limp on you and pizza is one of them. Pizza should be number one, no limpiness, right? Okay. Um, no soggy bottoms. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that show. I When we got into that show, it was, uh, I want to say it must have been like October, November of one year because I made my entire Christmas list baking stuff. <laughs> I love my that. Enti- I mean, my husband was like, okay, whatever. Click, click, click. Like, I got everything. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah. So no soggy bottoms. Pizza should not be microwaved. Like that should be last ditch effort. Nothing else is acceptable. Like you're reheating it because you're worried about food quality, but you don't care if you get a little diarrhea and <laughs> like, there's no stove option for some reason, but you have a microwave. Basically, if you're in an Air Force hotel. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. I think I think when it comes to reheating things, like my go-to is definitely the oven, especially like if I'm trying to make like fried rice, reheating rice in the oven, making it crispy, and then turning it into fried rice. Oof. Mm. I'm going to have to try that. Um, I will admit, I usually will make a big batch of fried rice and we'll eat it for lunches. And because my husband goes to work, he uses the microwave. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. We have it on the upcoming meal cycle. So I might have to try this oven trick. So like, you know, you're how you're supposed to use like left day or like day old rice to make fried rice. Mm -hmm. So like there are days that like we just forget, like don't have rice and we really want fried rice. So my husband cooks it and then puts it in a 425 degree oven, like on Mm -hmm. a silicone pot. And then we flip it over and like, I don't know, maybe like 15, 20 minutes in the oven and it dries out and it's perfect for fried rice. (laughs) Well, I'm going to build off of that because what we do is with our component prep, we make a huge batch of brown rice. We use brown rice for pretty much everything, Um, but we make a huge batch of brown rice and then I put it into smaller bags, containers, whatever, and then I freeze them. And so then when we want it, it's got time to defrost and then you just make it fresh right there with your already cooked rice. I love Don't that. have to worry about it being, you know, a day old. Cause by the time it's a frost, it totally is. Yeah. Dude, that's perfect. Okay. So you use a lot of freezer space for this. Do you have to have a decent size freezer to component prep? No. And I'm sure people did not see me shaking my head, but <laughs> no, you don't. And in fact, a lot of people that I've worked with just have your standard fridge freezer fridge freezer combo. Okay. Um, I can't say I've worked with anybody one-on-one who has just a mini fridge, but I did do a little bit of chatting exchange with somebody who was living in an RV. Okay. Um, honestly, it was just, we didn't fit well together. It wasn't that I couldn't have helped her, but you know, working with only a mini fridge freezer, you're not gonna be able to fit a lot in there, but most clients just have your standard fridge freezer combo because I'm focusing on components instead of making the full meals. We need a lot less space for a lot more components. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's really good to know. Cause I'm picturing like chest freezer with all of this and like mm-hmm. living in Europe, we have a very small freezer. We're lucky that yeah. we have two refrigerators, hashtag Americans in Europe, but like if it was just a German fridge, like we would not have room for any of that kind of prep. So it's not a requirement to have any sort of like massive extra freezer like I do, but you don't have to. And honestly, we only just got one fairly recently. Yeah. So it's just been allowing us to make more ahead of time without that, like 
worry so much about playing Tetris yeah. all the time. Um, but it's really just the luxury of being able now to buy, like if there's meat that goes on sale mid meal planning cycle, like we can go ahead and get it and it's not going to be like, Oh, where are we going to put this? Yeah, no, I totally get that. Are there any other major tips that you typically recommend? Like, does someone need to have like specific like freezer bags? Do you recommend like a vacuum sealer? Like, are there any must haves or is it really individualized when it comes down to this? Honestly, I try to work with whatever they already have. Cool. Um, So yes, the reusable freezer bags are way more environmentally friendly in terms of, you know, how often you're using the bags. But when it comes to even using the disposable ones, like I use them. I don't like putting raw meat in the reusable ones. And it's, you know, I, do I clean them? Heck yes. But do I, every time I use it, I'm like, if I were to put muffins for my child in here, am I going to get anxious? Yeah, probably. So, you know, I honestly use the one-time use bags for that. I actually reuse some of the one-time uses because if I'm just doing like straight up ground meat, like no seasoning on it, that way I can make it whatever I want. I just put it in there. I write ground meat. And then the next time when I'm washing it, I'm like, okay, I have a place where I save them. If it had raw chicken in it though, I usually toss it. Yeah. I feel like that's safe and I love the flexibility with it because I know that like a food saver can be kind of an investment. And especially if this is not something that like, I don't know if you don't use them all the time, like you're saying, like it can feel wasteful. So I like that there's flexibility in this. Well, and I'm going to tell you too, my parents have a, um, like the vacuum sealer Yeah. and yes, it's wonderful. However, there's still a lot of waste and the packaging that you're using is expensive. If you knew that you were going to be like in the same location and you have a good amount of storage space and you're going to be buying a lot in bulk, like if you were to buy like half a cow from a butcher, you know, (laughs) my family's done this. So like, you know, it, if that's the case, then it might be worth the investment. Yeah. If you're somebody who's doing two, three, four, even eight weeks, like I do of meal prep ahead of time, most of the time you can package stuff up without a vacuum sealer and not get the frostbite issues. If you're getting the frostbite issues, I'd be more concerned about you getting a better freezer than I would be to get a vacuum sealer. Yeah. Really good tips. So when you work with clients, do you feel like you can work in conjunction with other RDs if their clients are really struggling in the kitchen? Or is this something that like you're focusing heavily on the nutrition side of things with your clients as well? I'm really not, to be honest. And part of it is the whole licensure thing, being an Air Force spouse. Yeah. It's, if I'm jumping from state to state, And even if I'm not, even if I'm just in Florida, I can only really help people in Florida on a very specific level. So I'm really not doing a lot of nutrition. I mean, yes, I talk about healthy choices in terms of, you know, let's do more whole grains and let's try to fit in the extra fruits and veggies where we can. Here's ways to sneak in vegetables for those picky eaters. But like, I'm not over here saying like, okay, you know, we're on a diabetic meal plan and you need this many grams of carbs per meal. Like I don't get that in depth. So if anybody in private practice was working with somebody with, you know, a weight loss journey, diabetes, heart health, I mean, CKD, I mean, you name it, meal planning can help anybody. So heck yeah, 
we can tackle this together because then they don't have to worry about trying to figure out how to teach them to meal plan when they've already got enough to cover with this person. Yeah. I love that. I feel like it can be so complimentary, like understanding the food components as you're going through the nutrition journey, maybe not super early on, depending on like what your mental state is in the early days of your nutrition journey. But I think that it can definitely complement each other so that that client can grow and, Mm -hmm. and feel confident in the kitchen and understand like what they can do without having to spend a ton of time cooking, because I feel like that's usually what the issues boil down to. Right. Right. And especially if you're somebody who sees, uh, you know, a private client at at a location, I feel like that's so much more restrictive in a sense of how much time you have. Yeah. Um, So if you're seeing somebody and you spend your whole, you know, 45, 50, 30s, whatever your time is with a client, you're spending it focused on them making their nutrition goals. Not so much like, let me teach you how to plan meals. You know, it might be the the basics of what they should include, but not the making meal planning work for you to make it less stressful for you so that you're more likely to meet your goals that we've set together. Exactly. Cool. Yes. I love that so much. And like focusing in on, like you said, like what foods they love, what foods feed their souls and what foods their families already enjoy because reinventing the wheel rather than blending in those foods that they already love is so much more challenging. And it's probably not going to work for them the lo- for the long term, if that's the case. Right, right. Well, in a lot of time too, even when I did uh, inpatient, we were also seeing outpatients too. And it was so difficult for them to make that connection between healthy eating and foods we like. It was yeah. like, there are two opposite ends of the spectrum. And when you work with a dietitian, at least this has been my experience, you kind of have this mentality of like, I am going all in. We're going to dump the pantry out. We're going to get all new things. But that's not what necessarily needs to be happening. It's just how can we make your goals around you and also also make it more realistic for long term? Yeah, I love that. Okay. So you can work complimentary with RDs. How else do you like to collab with fellow dietitians? Oh my gosh. Okay. I can't say I'm great at reels, (laughs) (laughs) but I have a lot of fun doing them. And I really like collaborating with other RDs with reels because I feel like it brings out that silliness in other dietitians that sometimes I don't want to say is lacking by no means is it lacking. (laughs) But a lot of times when we're online and we're trying to talk about our business, you know, sometimes it gets to be very focused you know, and like, yes, my reels are about meal planning and meal prep, but it's also about how it's a real thing. You know, like I still have some of the same struggles that my clients have. I know how to work through them, yeah. but time is, a, is an issue for everybody, you know? So energy is another one, like, especially with a mom of a toddler, like yeah. <laughs> you are running everywhere. You're exhausted. You don't want to spend 18 hours every week cooking. I mean, you don't, even if you love cooking, you don't. So, so it's just like, how can you have fun poking fun (laughs) at some of the common issues? And I feel like that overlaps with what a lot of other RDs do, but they aren't necessarily bringing that silly component in. Yeah, I dig that. And reels are such a fun way to just kind of get your feet wet with collabing with other RDs mm-hmm. too. And it usually brings about conversation because you have to plan it out. So then you're connecting with someone else. So mm-hmm. love that way to collab. 
Yeah, but also I obviously love talking. So podcasts are fun. I love <laughs> chatting with other dietitians on podcasts. I love doing video content. I love, okay, by the way, my video editing is not a skill I have. So don't expect like great, but you know, if you just want to like chat, we can have like a chat and then you can put that video somewhere. I uh, love that. Lives. I mean, I really just about anything. Yeah. And I think because of like the niche that you have, like being able to serve people in a way that's food forward is so complimentary to so many different other niches that RDs are in. So guys hit up Kira and what's the best place for them to contact you? Honestly, Instagram. Like I never thought I would say that. Not that I was like (laughs) against Instagram, but it was like, I'm just not a social media person. Yeah. But I check Instagram because that's how I connect with other people. I'm not like constantly personally emailing people that I follow. Like, yeah. You know, that does, that, that's creepy. Right? <laughs> but I check Instagram every day. Tuesdays, I'm a little less active. That's like my day off. But other than that, like it's so easy to get in touch with me there. So cheesy underscore nutrition. Check me out. Perfect. I will put that in the show notes. And as always, it is a pleasure talking to you. This was hilarious. This is probably the most I've laughed during an episode in quite some time. (laughs) Well, dude, if you ever have a few like real dull ones, just bring me on. We'll have some jokes. (laughs) I'm not going to get a white claw because I don't feel like having, you know, tummy upset. That's fair. I might just bring you in for a couple of intros if I need a laugh. (laughs) (laughs) That works just fine. (laughs) All right. Well, as always, it's been a pleasure. Until next time. Ciao. Sounds great. Bye. LOL. We definitely went off track a couple of times, but I think it just shows you, right? Like the more you chat with people, the better the relationship becomes and the more like friends you become so that collaborations going forward can become super easy. And I don't want to say effortless, but like it just flows. So let's do a quick recap. One, choose a job that fits your lifestyle. If it doesn't exist, create it. Two, sometimes the initial idea you have for your business blossoms into something completely different. Three, consider what you're already doing and how that can help people. That might be your niche. I think it's also really important to note that not every business idea is going to flourish. Not every idea is going to work. And that's not to get frustrated and that's not to stop and halt where you're at and go back to your clinical position. As entrepreneurs, as solopreneurs, there's a try, 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 and try again option, right? Like, I've mentioned this before, but over the last five years, six years now, my business has taken so many different twists and turns, but that's the really cool part about being a solopreneur. You can ebb and flow and work towards what is working and you can drop the stuff that isn't working. So I think that's a really cool plus for me. It all connected when I looked more into my human design and you guys know I am a proponent for checking out your design as well, but it gives you the permission to do things differently, to do things your way. And there isn't a set blueprint other than the one that you are born with, right? Like that innate human design blueprint. And yours looks different than literally everyone next to you, every other RD out there. So there really isn't a blueprint that you can follow. You can choose the career you want. You can choose the business and how to grow it. You can literally choose everything about what you're doing in a way that feels good to you. We explore this more within the CoLab Roundtable, and the next session of the CoLab Roundtable is starting in October, just a couple of weeks away. It's a collaborative and intimate space where we hone in on your human design and how you can use your innate blueprint. 
your beautiful differences to run your business in a way that feels truly aligned. There are more deets that you can scroll through on the site, so I'll drop the link in the show notes. If you're like, hold your horses, Chell, what the hell is human design? Great question. I also have a link to look up your human design for free. I like to think of it as, like I said earlier, your innate blueprint, just a different way to get to know yourself. And unlike Enneagram, unlike Myers-Briggs, you don't have to answer a bunch of questions. It'll take like literally two minutes to do it. You put in your birthday, birth time, birth location, and it spits out this beautiful chart that is 100% you. And that is probably the most clarity I've ever gotten in my business. So hopefully that can be a good starting point for you as well. And if you do that, hit me up on Instagram at the Dietitian Collaborative because I would love to geek out about your human design with you. So until next week, when we'll be chatting with Nicole Cuoco, she is a registered dietitian and has her hand in a couple of different locations within the dietetics field. She also went to my alma mater. So woo woo, culinary RDs from Jay Woo. All right, guys, until next week. Ciao.